You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Exodus 20 as uh, we continue in our series, The Ten Commandments. This is the uh, second to last commandment. You shall not bear false witness. The uh, message title is Liar, Liar. You know, you really don't have to go very far with virtually anybody in the world to get them to the place to understand they've told a lie. Lots of people deny that they have sinned in so many ways, but when it comes to telling the truth, virtually everybody gets to the point of, yeah, you know, I've fudged around, I've, I've cut a corner here, I, I have lied. Hey, if we're honest, if we honestly look at ourselves, we can probably look at somewhere in this last week where that's true of us. And yet the Bible says you shall not bear false witness. So uh, this message is for all of us, myself included. A liar, liar. We call them small lies. Some people call them big lies. They call them white lies. Some people say you told a whopper of a lie. Um, in the world, especially in the political world, they use terms like I misspoke, I misled, I exaggerated, I wasn't completely truthful. I stretched the truth. All of those are just really nice ways to say you're a liar um, and uh, you're bearing false witness. You shall not bear false witness. So that's the text. comes out of Exodus 20. Let's stand. We want to honor God as we read his word. And I'm going to start at verse 1. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation to those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to those, excuse me, showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates." For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but not, do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. And the people stood far off while Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Let's pray. 
Lord, again, we uh, come to you with thankful hearts that we can hold this treasure, your very word in our hands, and this golden truth that we call the Ten Commandments. Father, we've had an opportunity to explore it as we've gone through this summer, and we uh, come to this commandment, and Father, we, uh, if we're honest, if we're honest with ourselves and honest before you, we can probably look this week and see somewhere where uh, we've broken this one. And so, Lord, you're going to speak to us today, and I pray, God, that you would give us ears that we would hear, and Father, that you would give us a minds to be able to understand the reality of the truth of your word, and then, God, be passionate people to turn, to grow, to change, to live out the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life. Do this work in a way that we can't explain it. God, you did it. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can take your seats. You know what the most common lie ever told is? That's true in this church, probably true out on the street. Someone says to you, uh, how are you doing? And you say, I'm fine. I'm fine. Liar. Liar. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, now, I get it that the reality is we understand that the person who was asking the question really wasn't sincere. It's just kind of like, how's the weather? And, uh, and so I'm fine is a good way to just kind of, I've got an idea though. How about the next time someone asks you, how are you doing? Say, thank you for asking. Let's sit down. I need an hour of your time to tell you how I'm really doing, right? Because we're not fine. There's, even when we're fine, we're not fine. There's things that we're growing in and, and we're learning. And it's the biggest lie, I believe, that Christians tell, non-Christians tell, how are you doing? I'm fine. Uh, somebody told me what fine stands for. F stands for freaked out. I stands for insecure. N stands for neurotic. E stands for emotional. So when you say I'm fine, you're really saying I'm a freaked out, insecure, neurotic, emotional person. And uh, as long as everybody understands that, then I guess we're okay. Um, you shall not bear false witness. Uh, Mark Twain said this, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. When you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. And uh, so let's dive into our text. You shall not bear false witness. And the first thing we want to look at is, if you don't know what lying is, let's take a look and see what lying is. Uh, here's a definition. A lie, or false witness, is a false statement made with a deliberate intent to deceive. An intentional untruth. A falsehood. Something intended or serving to convey a false impression with intent to deceive. In Exodus 20, when it says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, the, the way that it's written, the kind of the way the text is set up, it's the idea of you're in court and it's legal testimony that's being given. It says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Um, and the reality of that goes way beyond court. It goes into our lives. It goes into our homes. It goes into our workplace. It goes um, into our relationships. Uh, you shall not bear false witness. A false witness is one who stands up and swears before others that something untrue is true, especially with the intent of hurting someone else or ruining his reputation. You shall not bear false witness. It happened to David 
Psalm 27. It happened to Jesus a number of times, but in Matthew 26, it happened to Paul in Acts chapter 6. The Bible says some serious things about lying. You're not going to have time to look them up. You'll have time to write down the references, so listen to these. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. Six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. How does God feel about this? In hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who souls discards among the brothers. Twice in Proverbs chapter 12, in verse 19, it says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. In verse 22, it says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Is this a serious topic? Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Twice in Proverbs 19, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. That's in verse 5. In verse 9, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish, it says. Psalm 101 verse 7 says, No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. But that's not the character of God. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and he will not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? And then over in Colossians 3, 9 and 10, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self, that's the way we used to be before we were in Christ, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So how do we lie? How do we lie? Well, we lie through lies of commission, where you say something that's not true. You know it's not true, and yet you say it anyways. We lie through omission when we don't say what we should say and we find ourselves in a lie or somewhere in between where we tell a half truth and we don't get to the whole thing. We slant a story so it goes the way we want it to go and not giving the whole truth. Uh, sometimes we lie just in the tone or the actions we do with our bodies. And, and uh, we might be saying one thing, but the actions of our body are really communicating something very and totally different. Sometimes we lie by exaggeration. If you're a fisherman, you are by nature a liar. It's just the way it is. You catch the fish, and by the time you've told the story from the catch and release, you've made the camera angle look just right and you're a liar. You exaggerate. Um, uh, sometimes we lie by understating what's being done. And the purpose is for a special result that we're looking for. How do we lie? Well, why? Why do we do it? We know the Bible says don't do it. We know we're not supposed to lie. So why do we do it? I was met with some guys this week. We were talking about this. And we came up with this list. We, we lie to protect ourselves. We lie to protect ourselves. We um, think if I turn this story somehow, I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm going to be protected. 
so we lie. Sometimes we lie to protect someone else. We think by not telling the truth, we're going to keep them out of trouble or it's going to be good for them. And so we lie. Sometimes we lie to make ourselves look better. Now the story is this, but we make it this so that we look better. Sometimes we lie because lie is going to get a short-term gain. If I just lie, it's going to be a quick fix. I'm going to make a quick gain. It's going to be done. And so we lie for short-term gain. Sometimes we lie to get what we want. I just want something and I'm willing to, to give up my integrity and my character so that I can have it. I lie so I can get what I want. Sometimes we lie to save face. I'm going to be embarrassed if the truth ever comes out. And so I'm going to lie. Sometimes we've been hurt by someone and we don't care. And so I'm going to lie because they deserve what they're going to get. They hurt me. I'm going to hurt them. And so we tell a lie. Sometimes we lie because everybody does it. Everybody's lying. And so I will lie. So is it ever okay to lie? Is it ever okay to lie? Are you pregnant? I looked at no one when I said that. I want you to notice that, right? Are you pregnant? And maybe you are, and nobody knows yet. And what do you say? So let me just, uh, a little cue to each service. Could we just take that question out of everybody's vocabulary? Let's not ever ask that question again, because the right answer to that question is, that question is so inappropriate for you to even ask me. Right? So just make that question go away. But hey, I asked that question of someone one time who wasn't pregnant. You just don't want to be there. It's okay if you guess and you're right and they're about to tell you, but there's a big risk in that, right? Um, so let's get rid of that question so that we don't put a person in a bad place. But um, how about this one? Does this dress make me look fat? Yes. Okay, that's not going anywhere good. Or, it's not the dress. <laughs> Is it ever okay to lie? You've been married a short period of time and you've had your fourth burnt offering in a row. And uh, your dear spouse, this could go either way, I don't want to be sexist about this, and uh, says, how was dinner? Hmm. I like my meat just charred to the, I love my toast when it just breaks in half. And See, is it ever okay to lie? Okay, those are easy and those are silly. Um, how about uh, Rahab, who, well, when the spies came into Jericho and she was confronted and she lied, she didn't tell the truth. How about the maidens with uh, Moses and uh, protecting him and, and they lied? And God bless them. Um, how about the person standing in the house in Europe when the Nazis knocked on the door and said, are there any Jews in this house? Is it ever okay to lie? I wrestled with that. I struggled with it and talked with a lot of people about it. And John Piper actually made a statement that really helped me with this. Um, here's what he said. Nowhere in Scripture, this is important, nowhere in Scripture does the Bible explicitly approve of lying. It's never approved of in Scripture. 
He says, I've concluded that the wisest thing for me to do is acknowledge that in the fear of God and in the walk of faith, worthy saints have chosen to oppose the effects of evil by concealing the truth from wicked men. I've concluded that the wisest thing for me to do is acknowledge that in the fear of God and in the walk of faith, worthy saints have chosen to oppose the effects of evil by concealing the truth from wicked men. It's a tension for sure. It's a tension for sure. But here's the reality that none of us are in that world. We're We're not called to that. We're not called to that. That's the one in 10 million thing. And we talk about the text today We talk about the text today. We're talking about the things we live in and our honesty and our integrity and and what it looks like for us. And if you don't know what lying is, then you won't know what it does. If you don't know what lying is, uh, the second point for us to look at is you won't know what it does. And um, here's three things that lying does. The first thing is that it reflects on God's character. Uh, When we lie... We reflect on God's character. When we lie, we're basically saying, I need to take hold of this, Lord, because you don't offer enough. You're not really in control. I need to take hold of this. And and God's character is not about truth. And we're going to come to that in a few minutes. and, And about what is right and what is righteous. And so when I lie, I'm reflecting what I believe really about God's character. Here's the second thing. When I lie or bear false witness against another person, I am in a way destructing, uh, just, uh, destroying that individual who was the victim of my lie. Not only does it impact the character of God, but our lies impact other people. And then the third thing is, hey, our whole society is based on a judicial system and a system that's, that works when people tell the truth. It was true back then. That's why the law was put in place. It's true today. And when you can just stand up and willy-nilly lie and call it I misspoke or I didn't completely, wasn't completely honest with you and, and there's no ramifications and nobody cares, that's the beginning of the end of the way our society will work. The court systems fall apart. The governmental system falls apart. It all falls apart when truth is destroyed We don't understand what lying is. We can't understand what it does. So for us, what does lying do? What does it do when I bear false witness? Here's a number of things. Here's the first one. We already heard it. It breaks fellowship with God. When I don't tell the truth, I break fellowship with God. And then I wonder why my devotions aren't going well, while well, I don't want to take this, why I don't want to take this book and open it and read it in the morning, why I don't want to cry out to God, why I don't, why? Because you broke fellowship with God. Yes, if you are in Christ, you're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, you're still saved, you didn't lose your salvation, but the fellowship isn't there, that sweetness of fellowship with God is gone. It's true whether it's about honoring your parents, about committing adultery, or about stealing, or when we lie, fellowship is broken with God. When we lie, fellowship is broken with other people. Uh, They find out eventually, the word gets back, 
Stuff is found out and fellowship with other people is broken. So vertically, there's destruction. Horizontally, there is destruction. When I lie, it breaks trust. Just like if I steal or murder or commit adultery, um, when I bear false witness, I break a trust. If Sue catches me in a lie and catches me in a lie and catches me in a lie, and then God does a work in my life, and I come to her and I, honey, all these things are true. All of them, all of them, all of them. Trust doesn't come back just like that. When we lie, we break trust. And it's hard for the person who's seen the cycle over and over and over again to come back to a place of like, I trust you, I trust you. Because what they've seen is, you know, we've been down this path before. We've been down this path before. When you lie, trust is broken. When you lie, you have a guilty conscience. When you lie, it becomes habit forming. I've been saying, you know, we're only two or three decisions away from a disaster in our life. And it's true about this too. You start with a little lie and it's like, poor, that worked. That worked, I got ahead. And then you tell a little bigger lie and then you tell a little bigger lie and then you tell a little bigger lie because it seems like, it seems like this is working out for me. And it becomes a habit in your life. When you lie, you start to rationalize things. My lies are actually for a positive good. I'm actually doing this for a, for a good cause. Lying becomes addictive. You get hungry for the things that come as a result of lying. Lying becomes self-deceptive. You actually start to believe the things that you're saying. When you lie and you keep lying, eventually you get good at it. And you can look the person in the eye and blink and smile and do all those things that if you weren't a good liar, you couldn't do. But you actually get good at it. And you can fool people pretty easily. You get good at it. When it gets really bad, you see it as your responsibility to lie for the greater good, for the greater good. Eventually, it will destroy you. If you don't know what lying is, you won't know what lying does. Well, the next point is, so what's all the fuss about truth? What's the fuss about truth? Lying is the polar opposite to telling the truth. Lying is the polar opposite to telling the truth. I say that so you'll hear this sentence. Satan is the polar opposite of Jesus Christ. Satan is the polar opposite of Jesus Christ. Satan is a liar. Jesus is the truth. Satan is a liar. He always is and he always will be. How do you know Satan's lying? His mouth is open. Every time Satan speaks, he's telling a lie. In John chapter 8, 44, it says, you are of your father, the devil, and you will, you, excuse me, your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. And some of us 
arguably all of us, listen and believe his lies. Here's some of them. Uh, you're no good. You're no good. You're just, you're just fringe. You're no good. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows every hair that's on your head. If he cares for the little sparrow that falls, how much more does he care about you? And some of you believe the lie that you're no good. You're not worthy. Who do you think you are? You think Jesus loves you? You're not worthy. You're not worthy. It's a half-truth. It's a half-truth. Because there is a sense where, like, who am I? I was a sinner, separated from God. There was nothing I could do about it. I deserve nothing. But Jesus Christ came, and he paid the price so I could have eternal life. And no, I'm, I am not in myself. But because of who Jesus Christ is, I sure am. It's a lie. Don't believe it. You're ugly. You're ugly. Every time you go through the grocery line and you look at the magazine rack or you watch television and, and it's, it's just put back in your head. You're ugly, you're ugly, you're ugly. Not that you'll ever have an opportunity, but I'd like to be in the room of some of those people when they roll out of bed in the morning. When their breath is just like, oh my goodness. And their hair is all over the place and there isn't four pounds of makeup on their face and they haven't had the photoshopping all done and... You're beautiful in God's eyes. You're a beautiful creation that he has made. Don't ever believe the lie that you are ugly. Here's another lie that he tells. He says, um, uh, you're not forgiven. You're not forgiven. See, your sin is too big. You can't be forgiven. You're too messed up. You're beyond God's reach. I've heard people say that in our church. There's no way. Like, like, if you only understood what I've done, if you only understood what I've been through, you would understand it. Really? We go to the story of David, the murderer, the manipulator, the adulterer, and the one the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. In Jesus Christ, there's forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you have done. And to believe you're not forgiven is to believe that the work of Jesus Christ isn't enough. It is enough. And he did it for you. And with confession in our lives of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done, we are forgiven. You see, we get caught up in believing the lie. Stop believing the lie. God does not care about you. God's given up on you. Jesus doesn't love you. They're all lies. Every time Satan opens his mouth and puts one of those things in your mind, it's a lie. Don't believe it, but believe the truth. And Jesus Christ is the truth. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The standard is not the world. The standard is Christ as the truth, 
The world takes the standard through lying and deception and I get what I want and lowers the bar and lowers the bar and lowers the bar. And if all you have to do is crawl over the world's bar, a, a snake can slither over the world's bar because it's filled with lies and it's filled with deception and it's filled with we don't care. But Jesus Christ raises the bar to the truth and how we live out the truth and be faithful to the truth. In John 8, 32, it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So here's the question this morning. Whose character are you going after? Are we going after the character of the liar? Or are we going after the character of the truth? Are you going after who Satan is and what he's called, the father of lies? Or are we going to emulate and go after who Jesus Christ is, the way, the truth, and the life? The truth will set you free. It'll set you free from yourself. It sets you free from the lies of Satan. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Your word is is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Um, I was reading an article this week that was uh, talking about, there's a discussion going on in the church these days. Are, are you a church that's about Jesus or are you a church that's about the Bible? It's a wrong question. A word church is about both of those things. You can't separate those two things. No, Jesus is not the Bible, but the whole Bible focuses towards who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that's in the word of God. So don't get caught up in silly discussions about, are well, your church is about Jesus? Yes. Oh, you're not about the Bible? No, we're about the Bible too, because they're both about the same thing. Sanctified in truth, because your word is truth. I love that word sanctification. It's, it's a going forward. It's a process. It's a, I say it like this, we're stumbling forward. We're failing forward. We're falling forward. But we're moving forward. We're being changed. We're more like Jesus Christ every day. We're not making excuses for what we've been, but we're not like we used to be. We're not yet what we should be. We're not yet what we will be, but I'm not what I was because God's word is sanctifying me. It's changing me. I'm becoming more like Jesus Christ Every day, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Ephesians 6.14 says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. See, the reason that we believe the lies is because we don't know the truth. And if we get in the word and know the truth and understand the lies, we can call out the liar and be about the truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, uh, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So what's the big fuss about the truth? We live in a world that's filled with lies. We live in a world where the prince of the world is a liar. He's always a liar. He's consistent about that. He's always a liar. Every time he opens his mouth, it's a half-truth. It's something deceptive. It's something that's not true. But that's what he is. And we need to understand what the lies are. And then we need to choose to believe the truth because of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. What has the truth? What has it done for us? Well, here's a number of things. First of all, the truth saves us. 
The truth saves us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's through the truth of who Jesus Christ is. It's about the truth of what he did when he came and suffered on a cross to pay a price you couldn't pay, to, to cover the debt that you could not possibly pay back, to take care of the gulf that separated you between God and, and man. And Jesus Christ was the bridge. Jesus Christ was the one who came as the truth to be the right and righteous payment. He saved us. That's what the truth does. And how do you get that? By accepting the truth. By believing in the truth. By believing that Jesus was who he said he was. He did what he said he would do. He paid a price you couldn't pay. And you believe that by faith. Understanding that that belief... What happens, the transaction in heaven is you're made just like you'd never sinned. Doesn't mean you didn't sin. But when God looks at you through the finished work of Christ, just like you never sinned, and now you stand before God with Jesus at your side and him saying, he's with me. He's with me. He is in Christ. He is a new creation. The truth will save you. All you have to do is believe. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift from God that saves. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That salvation transforms you. It changes you. The truth sets us free from the guilt and the despair and the pain of our sin. The truth protects us. The truth heals us. The truth illuminates things in our lives that aren't true, that are lies. It illuminates areas we need to grow in. The truth reveals things about us. It's not all sweet and clean. The truth's going to do some things in your life that might hurt. The truth causes pressure for us. It causes conviction in our life. As we read the truth, we'll be overwhelmed by our sin and come to salvation. But then as we continue to read the truth, we just see how much growing up we need and what we need to do and how we desire to be like Jesus Christ because of all that's promised for us and all that's accomplished through the truth. It, it causes some pressure tell you this for sure, the truth's going to get you in trouble. It's going to get you in trouble. If you believe the truth and live the truth, it won't be easy. You might lose your job. You might lose a friend. In extreme circumstances, not in our land, but you might lose your life. but it's about the truth. It's about eternal life. It's about what God offers to us. And that's what the truth does. The truth convicts us of our sin. But the truth also restores us through turning and repentance and trusting the Lord. It's the truth. We're told to tell the truth. In Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Hey, follower of Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility to be about the truth. 
We're called to that. Speaking the truth in love. If you can't speak the truth in love, don't say anything. Just button your lip. Just shut your mouth. Because you're going to do more damage than you're going to do good. He says, speak the truth in love. This sentence, you've heard it before. You're going to hear it today. Truth without love is brutality. When all we bring is the truth, that's just brutality in somebody's life. That's not caring. It's hurtful. It's truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. Oh, I, 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 I'm not going to tell them that because if I tell them that, I might hurt their feelings or it might, that's being a hypocrite. You know the truth. And we need to tell the truth to one another. We need to be willing to receive and hear the truth. But we need to receive and hear the truth from people who are telling the truth in, in love. So I really have these uh, two choices. I have the liar and I have the truth. On one hand, I have Satan and his ways and his schemes on one hand, and I have the Lord Jesus Christ and what he desires in my life. And which character are you going after? Who are you really trying to be like? Yeah, yeah I know the Sunday school answer is, oh, we want to be like Jesus. You, you better believe we want to be like Jesus, but are you living that in your life? Is it being demonstrated out in the way you acted last week, in the way you did your, your, your business dealings, in the way that you treated your family, in the way you treated your neighbor? Are you, are you demonstrating truth in love? We can't be people who are bearing false witness. It destroys the character of God at least people's understanding of it. It destroys relationships. It destroys our integrity. It destroys our trust. It destroys liar, liar, guilty, guilty. And this week, I probably won't be perfect at it either, but I hope that I won't be what I was. And I'll be more like my Savior, Jesus Christ, being sanctified in the truth. Well, so what? So what? The revelation, clear. You shall not bear false witness. Stop lying. Stop it. The thing, the thing in this message, as you heard it, it was like, oh, oh. why does he do that to me every week? That's the thing God's saying to you today. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not lie. The reality of the confrontation is that the Ten Commandments not only reveal the standard that keeps us from sinning, but they're also the bar that reveals when we are sinning. And so we are confronted with ourselves and our tendencies and our desires and our passions. And God says, stop it. In 1 John 2, 4, it says, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But what's the instruction for us? The instruction is repent. 
repent, whether it's about an idol, whether it's about the name of the Lord, whether it's about murder, whether it's about adultery, whether it's about stealing, whether it's about bearing false witness, or next week, whether it's about covetousness, it's time to repent. It's time to change your thinking about these things. These don't honor the character of God. They don't honor what God wants for me. I'm going to change my thinking about these things. It's time to turn and move in a new direction with a new way of thinking. Being people of God who are about the truth. If the Son has set you free, you shall be free indeed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's so cool. Forgiven, delivered, restored, the old has passed away. Liar, liar. Not anymore. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word and we thank you for it. Um, the Ten Commandments, which, well, that'd be kind of a cool series. We can go through that. Has revealed much about our hearts and who we are and our passions and our desires. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, do a work in our church, that you would uh, do a work in our hearts. As we prayed this morning with the elders and staff, Lord, that you would do a work in me, that we'd be people of God who um, fear you and love you and desire the truth and call out the lie and live for the fame of the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, break us of ourselves that we would live for your glory and for your honor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.